Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. to turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17. Matthew, chapter 17. The title of our message today is Deity Revealed. The Deity of Christ, of course, that we are referring to there. We're going to begin at verse 1 in chapter 17 in the Gospel of Matthew. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. When the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and do not be afraid. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Jesus answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has come already, and they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. 
Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. Let's pray, please. Our Father in God, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we thank you for the truth that the Lord Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the only Savior, the only Deliverer. And we pray for everyone here today. Lord, we pray that today, anyone who is present, who has never accepted you as Lord and Savior, that today they'll come to know you as their Lord, as their Savior. Any listening by podcast or over the internet who are without you as Lord and Savior, we pray that today they'll come to know you. Lord, we thank you for your holy word that teaches us. And we pray that you will speak to us by your Holy Spirit, enabling us to understand and to apply your truth to our lives, that we might bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus, that we might exalt you, O oh God, our Father, who loves us so. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. And so Jesus takes his inner circle with him, Peter, James, and John, onto a high mountain. Now, it doesn't tell us exactly what mountain. Um, they were in the area of Caesarea Philippi, and there's a, 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 a tall mountain there, Mount, Mount Hermon, and that's a possibility. But some also say possibly Mount uh, Tabor, but that's at the uh, southwest of the Sea of Galilee. But he takes them up into this high mountain, and Jesus is transfigured. Now, the others, you know, he had the 12 apostles, and he, he had this, this inner circle. And it's good for us to be reminded that there will always be people who have differing roles and responsibilities. And so he took this, this inner circle with him, and they certainly had a mountaintop experience. And I believe this is, that's where that phrase comes from, from this experience right here with, um, with the Lord Jesus. And he's, he's transfigured before them. Now, remember that Jesus had just spoken of his oncoming crucifixion. Last week we looked at where Jesus foretold that he would be crucified. And Peter took him aside, remember, and began to rebuke him and said, Oh, no. Certainly, Lord, you know, that's not going to happen to you. And, and Jesus responded by saying, Get thee behind me, Satan, for you savor not the things of God, but the things of men. And just a little while before that, when Jesus had asked the disciples the question about who he was, Peter responded, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus explained that that had been revealed to him by God the Father. And so here is Jesus now on the mount, together with his disciples, and he is transfigured before them, his face radiated with his divine glory. Now, 
because we use, and I'll throw out this, this is a fancy, what they call a 50 cent word, I guess, uh, anthropomorphic terms, all right? That's a mouthful there, yeah. all right? Okay. <laughs> right? Anthropos is the Greek word for, for mankind, all right? Anthropomorphic, or morph, uh, a metamorphosis is to change, all right? So we do our best to use human language to describe divinity. So we have to put it in, in human terms. But, so we, we use the word change, that his, his visage or his appearance changed, but, but it, it really didn't change, okay? Because Jesus is divine. He is deity. He is God. <laughs> There is much that is misunderstood about Jesus. There are those who say, well, he never claimed to be the Son of God, but yes, he did. All right? But the Bible doesn't really say that he's the Son of God. Well, yes, it does. <laughs> and he never claimed deity. Or the Bible doesn't teach that he's deity. Well, yes, it does. And yes, he did. Okay? You see... His true divine nature, as it were, the, the flesh of his, of his being was pulled back, if you will. And his true divine nature was revealed right there on the Mount of Transfiguration. And the disciples describe this, this experience that they have together with him. It says that his face radiated like the sun, it shined like the sun in its brilliance and glory, even as his clothing became radiant white and pure. His inner holiness, his incarnate deity, Jesus is God the Son. And he was there in the beginning because he has always been. He had his earthly beginning here in the manger his earthly ministry, if you will, in the flesh, that he has existed forever because he is God the Son. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God and three distinct persons. It was the radiance of his true divine nature that was revealed. And so, here you have Peter, James, and John experiencing this mountaintop event. And then it says that Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with them. Now how did the disciples know that that was that Moses and Elijah? They lived hundreds of years before the disciples. But Moses and Elijah appeared, and it says appeared to them. Well, Moses represents the law. And Elijah represents the prophets. And in another place in the scripture, the Bible teaches that Jesus said to search the law of the prophets. Why? Because they speak of me. That is Jesus speaking of himself. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Moses preached and he taught that there would come one like him. And of course, Elijah preached. They both preached. 
fulfilling God's will. The promise that there would come a deliverer, and he came. His name is Jesus, and he's coming again. So Jesus is the fulfillment of both the law and the prophets. Now, what's interesting here is those who die in the Lord live eternally. We, we talked about this in our, our Sunday school class. It's hard for us because we are uh, visually oriented. You've heard the person who, who said, you know, if I, if I can't see it, I refuse to believe it. Show me. You've got to show me. Right? Well, Moses died. Now, there are some who believe, and there are some, some who hold that, that perhaps Moses didn't die. But the Bible says that he died. And you can read of that over in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 34, verses 1 through 8. Moses was 120 years old when he died. But it says that God buried him. And that no one knows where he was buried. But there are some who say, well, the reason that uh, no one knows where he was buried is because God took him up. Well, the Bible says he died, and God buried him. That's what it says. But he went up anyway. And why? Because this body is not able to enter into eternity. A transformation has to occur. But Moses died, but his soul went to heaven. And he appears here before the Lord. That is a that is a a, a clear evidence that when God's people die, only their physical body dies. But your soul, you, the real you, the real you, the real us that's housed. Okay, by this body. This body is just a house, if you will. The Bible refers to it as a tent. The real us that lives within, we don't die. When our time is over with, this body ceases to function, and we go to be with our Lord. Moses was 120 years old. The Bible says, his I was not dead, and his natural force was not abated. In other words, he was still strong and able at 120 years. But the work that God had given him to do had been fulfilled. And God took him home. Now, different case with Elijah, the prophet. Elijah, the prophet, is one of those that we know did not die. He was taken up in the whirlwind. You'll recall that he and Elisha were walking together, and um, Elisha said, now, I want you to do something for me. <laughs> I have a favor to ask of you. And Elijah said, well, what is that? He said, well, when you're gone, I want you to give me a double portion of your spirit. He said, well, now the thing that you've asked is real difficult. He said, but if you see me when I'm taken up, then it'll be given to you. And no sooner they finished speaking, right? The chariot of fire came with horses of fire uh, and it divided uh, Elijah and Elisha. And then it says that a whirlwind took him up. And uh, Elisha was crying out, 
I see it, I see it, I see it. Amen. And, uh, and so Elijah didn't die, but he was translated. He was a foreshadowing, if you will, of what is going to happen to those who trust in the Lord and know the Lord as their Savior at the rapture of the church. Those who know the Lord. The Bible says that the trumpet of God shall, shall sound, the archangel, and that the church, first the dead in Christ, that is those who have already died and, and gone to be with the Lord, their bodies are going to be transformed, they're going to be reunited in these glorified bodies, and then we who are alive and are upon the earth will be taken up. We're going to be translated. People say, well, that's kind of hard to believe. Well, which of the two do you think is more difficult for God to do? To take us up to heaven or to create the sun? Or to create the universe? And everything that's in the universe? And every animal and every insect, everything that is, he created it all. And when he says so, he is going to take the church up out of the world, just like he took Elijah. He didn't die. And he appears. The law and the prophets. But some have also said that perhaps, perhaps, they also represent the Old Testament saints and those who die in the Lord and go to be in the Lord's presence and the church that will be raptured at the end of time. Well, it doesn't tell us how um, Peter, James, and John were able to identify Elijah and Moses. They just knew who they were. <laughs> and the Bible says that the day is coming when, when we're ushered into the eternal kingdom. Somehow, we're going to know all those folks. Isn't that incredible? Well, what did they discuss? What did they talk about? Well, it doesn't tell us here, but over in uh, the Gospel of Luke, in his account of this, this same event, he says that they discussed his coming crucifixion. You see, because in the law and the prophets, it proclaimed the suffering servant. Yes, the conquering king, but first he must come as a suffering servant. And sadly, that is why so many in the nation of Israel at the time that Jesus came, were not able to accept him as Savior. Why? Because they were looking for the conquering king. And this idea of a suffering servant just did not fit into their agenda. They were under Roman oppression, and they wanted to be released from that. They wanted a king like King David, the conquering king. But he came as the suffering servant. And so Peter responds. He, he sees what's going on, and he responds. Peter always, <laughs> he always had something to say. <laughs> and over in the Gospel of, of Mark and also in Luke, it says, and Peter didn't know what he was saying. He just, you know, Peter just wanted to do something. He said, well, Lord, it's good for us to be here. So, so, um, 
if, if you want, we'll make three tabernacles, you know, so, so we can enjoy this moment and you all can hang out. Okay. And what he mistakenly was doing was putting them all on an, on an, you know, on an equal footing. But Jesus has no equal. From the earthly perspective, there is no equal. Because he is God the Son. He is above. They proclaim him. He fulfills that prophecy. And so, Peter, he's talking, and, you know, he's going on, and, and while he's talking, something happens. A cloud. A cloud, the Shekinah glory of God. And the Bible discusses over in the Old Testament time when the cloud, the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The cloud filled it, and the glory of God radiated from, from the tabernacle. And you'll also recall that when Moses went up to speak to the Lord, up in, into the mountain, and he would speak with the Lord, the Lord would speak with Moses from the cloud. And when he came down, that his face radiated, he, he radiated with the glory of God. So much so that they had to even cover his face. And so Jesus, radiating the glory of God, and God the Father speaks from the cloud. And he identifies Jesus as his beloved son. Now over in the, in the Greek it's agapetos. And that should sound somewhat familiar to you. The word agape, it's agapetos, which means the beloved one, or the one in whom my soul delights. God loves his son. Amen. He is well pleased with his son. And he identifies Jesus as his son. And you can read over it in Psalm 2, verse 7, where the son is referred to as the beloved son. Jesus is God's beloved son. And then the Father, he states not only that he's well pleased with the Son, but he issues a command. And notice the command that he issues. Hear him. In the Greek it really means listen to him. Listen to him. Hear him. We are to listen to the Lord Jesus. And we are to love him. Sadly, sadly, those who refuse to accept him do not realize that they are refusing to obey God the Father. There is no other Messiah. There is no other Savior. There is no other Christ. He is Christ, the Son of the living God. And we are to hear him. There, there's no excuse. No acceptable excuse. When a person dies and they come before God, why they rejected him, there is no excuse. And there is no hope for that person who lives a life in defiance and rejection of Christ the Savior. Over in Deuteronomy is where uh, Moses makes the statement. And he says, if the Lord is going to raise up one 
like unto himself. Hear him, the very same words. It's in the, it's in the Hebrew and over here in the New Testament in, in, the, in the Greek. And he says, hear him. God says, hear him. Listen to him. Believe and trust in him. Now the apostles are overcome with fear. Now, their fear is understandable. I think that if, if we ever had the experience where we were somewhere and, and a cloud came over and a voice began to speak, God's voice, that same voice that spoke at his baptism, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, and the Holy Spirit in the form of the dove came down. Well, their fear is understandable. And actually, in the, in the Greek, the, the word is actually terror. They were filled <laughs> with terror. They were terrified, and they fell down in awe and in worship. They knew what was going on, and they were filled with terror. And all through the Bible, whenever an angel would appear, or the angel of the Lord would appear to someone, their response was always, they would fall down terrified in fear. And then the angel would say, fear not, and would reassure them. And that's what happens here. Jesus, he touches them, and he, he tells them not to be afraid. Now, we don't need to be afraid of God in the sense that he would do anything to harm us. No. But we should all have a reverential fear of God, a holy respect, a holy awe of our Heavenly Father. In our uh, Sunday school lesson, we talked about um, what do you expect? There was a question, what do you expect of God? And Miss, uh, Miss Barbara answered, she said, well, you shouldn't expect anything. In other words, we're in no position to demand anything from God. God doesn't owe us anything. It's the other way around. We owe, we owe Him everything. Follow? And I shared an experience that I had where I was at one of these National Day of Prayer uh, events, and this guy was praying, and he was demanding and demanding and demanding. And, and it so shocked me that someone would stand up and pray that way. No, you, we have no right to demand anything from God, but rather to bow down before him and confess, to acknowledge that he is God, our Father, and our provider, and to ask for his forgiveness, and to thank him for the life that he's given to us and everything that he's provided to us. But Jesus reassures them touches them, and he tells them, don't, don't be afraid. And then he gives them a command. Jesus gives them a command. Now, Elijah and Moses are off the scene by now. They, they've gone back up into glory. And he issues a command. He says, don't tell anyone. And you'll recall earlier, he told the disciples not to tell anyone that he was, in fact, the Christ. And you say, but, but why? Well, there were some misunderstandings. The people 
wanted Jesus to become a political king. And once again, they wanted to throw off the shackles of, of the Romans, and they wanted Israel to be restored to the glorious kingdom that it was under David and Solomon. So they would take him by force, you see, and make him a political king, and Jesus would not have any of that because that was not God's plan at that time. And to keep that from happening, he told them, do not tell anyone what you've experienced until after the Son of Man, referring to himself, that's a, 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 a title given in the book of Daniel, referring to the Messiah, has been risen from the dead. Now you would have thought that it would have sunk in to them, okay? He's going to be crucified, but God's going to raise him back up. Or maybe they were thinking, you know, the resurrection down a thousand years or so. But of course, within just a matter of months, they came to learn what that, what that really meant. And over in uh, the second book of, of Peter, he writes about this experience. Where he says, you need to understand that we aren't following you know, some, some fables. We aren't following or teaching you things that we've made up. No, we were there on the holy mountain when he was transfigured before us and we saw that radiant glory. You see, God the Father is putting his stamp of approval upon the life and the ministry of his Son, the Lord Jesus, and he commands us to obey him to trust in Him and to hear Him, to listen to Him, and to live our lives in honor of Him. And Peter preaches that message. And so what do we learn from, from this passage here? Well, Jesus is the divine Son of God. He is the only Savior. Over in the book of 1 Timothy it says, There is but one mediator, one, between holy God and sinful humanity. The man, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who gave his life for us. God the Father loves the Son. And over in the Gospel of John, and we'll get to that in our, our Sunday school lessons as we continue uh, working our way through the Gospel of John, Jesus says, The Father loves me because I lay down my life for the sheep. He says, I lay it down, I have power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it back up again. No man takes my life from me, Jesus says, I lay it down of my own accord, or of my own choosing, or by my own will, in fulfillment of the Father's will. And he goes on to say, that everyone and anyone who comes to him, he will in no wise cast out, but that that person will be saved for all eternity. He says, no one is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Amen. And all that my Father has given to me will be saved. Because I give to them eternal life. God the Father loves the Son. And if God the Father loves the Son, which he does, then should we not also love the Son? 
And then we are to listen to the Father's beloved Son. Trust and obey. You know the song. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Amen? Amen. We ought to be singing that song, and that ought to be the, the tune, if you will, or the, the melody of our lives. I remember once long ago I, I preached a sermon, the symphony of life. What kind of symphony are you creating with the, with the choices that you're making in your life? When you come before the Lord, what kind, of, what kind of tune will your life play? You have the opportunity, the wonderful opportunity to create a beautiful symphony, that beautiful music that Miss, Miss Ginger plays. But what kind of melody are you creating with your life before the Lord? Or for others to listen to? And lastly, Jesus is willing to touch us with his power, comfort us in our fears. We all have fears. We all have uh, failures. We all have uh, confusion from time to time. We all wonder how things are, are going to turn out. But God is able to comfort us in our fears and to strengthen us in our weaknesses and to bless us with a meaningful life, a life that brings glory and honor to God. You see, Moses lived to be 120 years old. He began his greatest, his greatest ministry when he was 80. <laughs> Stop for a moment and think about that. God called him when he was 80 years old. And he served for 40 more years. Now, some of you are on the young side. You're only 75. <laughs> some are even younger still, not quite 70. And some have reached 80. You're just, you're, you're, you're ready to be called into the ministry. Right? Never think that because you're 82 or 87 or 91 or 92, right, like Miss Nancy, that you're too old to serve. Oh no, you're still young. Still young. Still important. Still usable to God. And you have tremendous potential. And we've mentioned that many times. He's able to touch us with his power, comfort us in our fears, strengthen us in our weaknesses, and bless us with a meaningful life. You, your life counts. Her life counts. Your life is important. It is important to God, and it's important to others. And you know that, that you can reach people that perhaps no one else can. In your unique way of speaking, in your unique way of interacting with others. And God is able to use you to touch the lives of others. He touches other people through you. Now think about that. You. Used by God to touch the lives of other people and to play, as it were, a beautiful melody of music to the glory of God and to the benefit of that person. We're going to stand and sing.
just as I am, without one food. Do you know today that you're going to heaven? The Bible says you can know, K-N-O-W. Or maybe you've been discouraged lately. Maybe you've made a whole list of New Year's resolutions and you've broken every one already. You say, well, there's just no hope for me. There is hope for you. I mentioned to Cheryl this morning on the way here, I said, man, you know, I think I ate one too many of those, those funnel cakes. <laughs> I guess our granddaughter was making funnel cakes and I just kept eating one after the other. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I said, well, I, I need to lose some weight. Uh, see, I, I, I'm committed to losing weight. I, I'll make a public statement of that. <laughs> but are you willing to make a public profession of faith in Jesus. We're going to sing this hymn of invitation. You come, give your heart, give your life to him as we sing. pray that you have been blessed by today's lessons from God's Word, and we invite you to contact us with any questions that you may have, especially questions regarding your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to help you with your walk of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and with your understanding of His Holy Word, the Bible. Our contact information is listed in the podcast show notes. May God richly bless you.